A white man? No! Hello and welcome to the Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we are back again with another Criminal Minds recap and I am pumped yeah. about this episode. Yeah. I know we said that the last one was the best one. We were wrong. We were so wrong. This one is so much better. This, it's a great episode. This is why we watch this show. Yes. They sprinkle these little good ones in there. Yeah. Every few episodes to remind you how good they can be. Yeah. Because this is the kind of crime... That I would be all over, like, true crime-wise, keep me up at night, that kind of thing. Yeah. It is a really, really exciting one. Mm-hmm. Lots and, of twists and turns. Yeah. And the, uh, this is the least amount of notes I've taken so far because I was so engrossed in the story. Yeah. I think I watched this one four times. <laughs> it's so good. And I rewound and rewatched different parts so many different times, too, outside of the full rewatches. Yeah. It, it is... A masterpiece of yeah. criminal minds, I think. I they know. they really this is what they've been working up toward this whole time. Yes. So before we get into it, I wanted to give a quick note. Um on in episode one we were talking about Reed's like education history because yeah. uh, it we doesn't make sense. Yes. Um <laughs> so I found out a little bit more about it. It's still doesn't make any sense. Oh good. But uh <laughs> he actually graduated high school at twelve and then earned his bach- bachelor's degree in philosophy at sixteen. So, like, four years, bachelor's degree, makes sense. Yeah. Um, But wait a second. Yes. Why would it take him a full four years if he did primary, elementary, high school, all of that? Not sure. Just easing himself in. All right. Uh, But, however, he did earn a doctorate in math the next year. So maybe he was taking some of those other classes concurrently, although I can't imagine there's a lot of overlap between philosophy and math. Yeah. Um, But then between 17 and 21, he earned two more doctorates in chemistry and engineering, as well as two bachelor's degrees in psychology and sociology. This makes less sense than the timeline I'd made up on my own. It's more confusing, but that is the, you know... Canon Some, explanation for his education. Somebody needs to answer for this nonsense. <laughs> I want a writer from the first season to come on here and explain this nonsense. Have you never been to I college? Would, I just would like to see his transcripts. That right. would be the best. Um, but all of that was at Caltech. So. Uh, yeah. I'm glad I have a glass of wine because <laughs> I would just be completely outraged otherwise. I know. It's very confusing. That's super confusing. But that is their explanation for it. Well... So. It's nonsense. It is. They would have been better not saying anything at all, but fine. And just letting us guess. Yeah. Fine, we'll take it. You know what I'm going to do is just dedicate an absurd amount of time to working out an alternate timeline that makes more sense, (laughs) spreading him out over different programs. He's going to be looking at all of like the uh, course sequences at Caltech for getting every one of those degrees and figuring out which classes you would actually have to take. Yes. And I'm willing to do it. You know I will. This is my whole life now. It's going to be like your winter break project. All I do is criminal minds. I'll put my puzzle aside and that will be my new puzzle, my Spencer Reed puzzle. That's the kind of puzzle I could get into. Not a jigsaw puzzle. It'll just be like uh, that episode of It's Always Sunny with Charlie in the mailroom and all of that. 
<laughs> Pepe Sylvia. Pepe <laughs> Sylvia. No- <laughs> that will be me at the end of my two weeks trying to figure out the Spencer debacle because it doesn't make it, any sense. It's the inevitable conclusion of that yeah. mm-hmm. project. Uh, but we're not here to talk about my side <laughs> projects. We're here to talk about Plain Sight, which originally aired October 12th, 2005. Yes. What a time to be alive. Really? All right. So this one opens in a nice San Diego neighborhood, and there's a woman, and she's doing step aerobics to respect by Aretha Franklin. Love great it. opening These music. These are great opening moments. The shot following the bird down to her house. Yeah. And I am an avid step aerobicizer, as you know, <laughs> so I was very excited to see this. Um, so then downstairs in her house, we see a gloved arm reach through the open window, and the intruder comes in and then turns off leaking faucet which was very considerate very considerate um he spends some time just kind of touching expensive looking oh. items throughout her house which is gross mm-hmm. uh the intruder moves through the house and then behind the woman the door just slowly opens like you see the door handle or the doorknob turning um and then she kind of turns like not because she hears him, but just as a part of her step aerobics routine, and he just mm-hmm. jumps out and grabs her face. Uh, so that had to be. No. It's so unnerving. And it's these kinds of like break in, attack, broad daylight, my literal nightmare. Yeah. The it's daylight very scary. is the only thing that keeps me going. Yeah. Like it's not dark, don't need to be afraid. This is why I'm fanatical about keeping doors and windows locked. Yeah. Even during the day. Yeah. Like and if like, I'm not in the room where the, the unlocked windows and doors are, I lock them again when I leave. And like, I don't ever close doors in my house when I'm home alone either. No, I want to see what's coming around the corner. I'm not a psycho. I always leave all of, I was thinking about that because my first thought during that scene was, why does she have the door closed? Sight lines are important. never shut doors when I'm home by myself. No, never. And it's like, I mean, you know, BTK. Yes. My absolute Achilles heel of fear and like Golden State Killer. Like that's what all of these remind me of, except at least those were at night. Yeah. Just random home intrusions. This is terrifying. Broad daylight. So yeah, yeah, they had me hooked immediately. Yes. So then we cut to a team of police officers who are in the house, which has just been ransacked. Like mm-hmm. there's just stuff everywhere. Um, and they're collecting evidence, taking photos. And we see writing on the mirror. It looks like lipstick, mm-hmm. um, but we can't see what it says. And there's a man in a suit who I'm guessing is like the detective or captain. Um, he says to make sure they get a good shot of her face to the people who are taking the crime scene photos. And then we get a good shot of her face. Ah. And it's her body face down on the bed. She um, is naked. Her eyes are wide open. And there's an injury to her neck. Mm. It's pretty brutal. It is gross. Um, and then we have a very abrupt tone shift oh. in the scene because we're at the BAU and it's Reed's birthday. This is a very cute scene and it's very hard to emotionally yes. recover. There's emotional whiplash here going yeah. from one to the other. So he is turning 24. They've got him in a silly hat. He's trying really hard to blow out the candles and JJ has to explain what trick candles are to him. Mm-hmm. Um, she offers him a piece of cake and Reed smiles and tells Gideon that she's the the only person in the world who calls him Spence. It's and so he smiles. Cute. He has such a JJ crush, and I'm here for it. I it love is it. completely adorable. It's so adorable. Um, so then Hotch answers the phone, and uh, like the dud of a person he is, mm-hmm. ruins the party yep. and tells everybody they've got a case. Um, so then they um, 
Hotch and JJ introduce the case to everyone. Mm-hmm. There are six women in the air, uh, like a five block radius around this woman's house that have been raped and murdered in their homes in the last three weeks. It's so crazy, like which makes lot. it even more incredulous that this woman is exercising home alone with all the doors open. I but- know. I feel like I would just, if I was home by myself and that had happened five previous times in my neighborhood if I was home I by would, myself I would just like sit in a corner like, like and holding, holding a knife, a knife. <laughs> yes. exactly. actually you know what I wouldn't even be home I would be at a hotel across town because I'd be too afraid to be home but she's yeah. like gotta just get my steps in gotta get the step aerobics done <laughs> it's the Jillian Michaels 30 day shred yes <laughs> um so um I just thought that was kind of weird because, like, not much time seems to have passed. And, like, JJ was, like, eating cake a couple of minutes ago, and now she's, like, explaining this whole case. I'm like, did you know that this was an option of a case they might be taking? She had to have, right? Or, I don't know, because it seems like in in the future in the show, they've got a whole docket of cases, and JJ kind of sifts through and picks them. Yeah, But at this point, it still seems like they're being thrown at them at random. That's true. But they, she just seems like she knows so much about it already. But yeah, they know everything about this case already. So yeah. maybe they just took some time to review it before they were they briefing the team. They went back the to team. their offices to eat their cake alone while they... <laughs> just sadly eating cake, looking it. at murder photos. Yeah. Um, so they call this guy the Tommy Killer. I hate this. Because he glues his victim's eyes open, which I felt was a very deep cut who reference. Oh my God. It's crazy that you say that because <laughs> I literally wrote down, this killer name is absurd. Since when do the police give such deep cut names? <laughs> like nobody would, I feel like that would not catch or be a, a reference that enough people would recognize that it caught on in the yeah. press. Yeah, yeah. But it, it does, it's apparently, not like in this the universe. the path killer. Right. No. But yeah, he's called the Tommy killer because um, everybody on the team obviously understands it. And Reed yeah. says he wants them to see them or to see him. And Gideon says, and feel him. Ugh. I'm like, nobody. No. Nobody would put that no, together. No, thank you. Like, cause at first when they said Tommy killer, it was like, like a Tommy gun. Right. It was very confusing. <laughs> Do people use those And anymore? I don't think, cause we're prime audience, right? We're prime age audience. Even when this first came out to have yeah. watched the show, I'm familiar with the who I'm familiar with Tommy. I would not. Have I would picked not up on have that. picked those two and put them together. And did every newspaper article about him explain? I mean, that that's a little <laughs> heavy-handed. Yeah. This is why we're calling him that, you guys. Yeah, it's like nudge, nudge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get it? Get it? Yeah. Like if you have to explain the joke, it's not funny. Yeah, yeah. it's not a. It's oh god, I hate I'm it pretty so much. sure we could brainstorm right now and come up with five better names yeah. for this man. But fine, gross. Um, so. Uh, that we get our first end cap quote as the plane is flying off to San Diego. Which, but I'm sorry, before oh, sorry. you say that, I was waiting for it now. Like, when's he going to say wheels up? When's he going to say wheels up? And he said, see you on the plane. I know. Boo. You didn't get it yet. Yeah. <sighs> Got to count down to wheels up. Yep. Uh, so it's French poet Jacques Rigaud, which I may be mispronouncing, mm. but Nate's not here to tell me exactly. That it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He'll never so, know. Do not, or don't forget that I cannot see myself, that my role is limited to being the one who looks in the mirror. Hmm. So then on the plane, 
Hotch is explaining that the latest victim, the woman that we saw in the cold open, was mm-hmm. found by her kids when they oh, returned from school. God. And I was just completely horrified by that mm-hmm. entire prospect because we see when the killer's going through the house, like a family photo, and she's got two sweet little kids. Yeah, and they look like they they're look like young. eight and ten. It's a like, lot. Just absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, that she had been strangled with a thin ligature that was probably a wire of some sort, and she had her mouth duct taped shut, but they didn't find any wire or any duct tape um, at the scene, so mm-hmm. he must have brought them with him. And then they tell us what was written on the mirror, which was, uh, fair lady, throw those costly robes aside. No longer may you glory in your pride. Take leave of all your carnal vain des- delight. I'm come to summon you away this night. Which, of course, Reed knows. Reed knows. He says the last line just uh, takes over for Hotch when he's explaining it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says it's a 17th century ballad that depicts a conversation betwixt death and a lady. And he does say betwixt. <laughs> he does say betwixt. And I just love that because Reed had been doing like basically like Googling death. Yeah. Right, is how he came across this. <laughs> and I was like, it's so cool that Reed and I are doing similar Google searches yes. uh, about all of these cases. Um, but then when he said it, did you notice the way that Gideon looks at him? He gives him like the proudest, like, you Proud know, dad. like paternal smile. Yes. Where it's like, you know, the way your dad would like look at you when you were like performing in the school talent mm-hmm. show. He's so adorable. proud that he knows it. And it's um, because I looked it up like Reed. The, the great messenger of mortality or a dialogue between de- death and a lady. Um, so two, two names, Reed. You could have told us that. Uh, and you could have been more exact about the date, but it's fine. <laughs> Uh, Elle asks if they're looking for a literature professor, which I thought was pretty yeah, smart. Like, who would good. be familiar with something like that? Mm-hmm. And Reed says, oh, no, it could be anybody with an internet connection, and you'd be surprised what comes up when you type death into a search engine. I bet it's not this ballad, um, though. I typed death into a search <laughs> engine, and Google turned up literally slightly over 2 billion results. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how far you would have to scroll down before you You mean one of the first that. few wasn't that It ballad? was not the ballad, surprisingly. Weird. Um, also that scene reminded me exactly of the scene in knocked up where they're in the car and the little girl tells Catherine Heigl's character that she Googled murder. Oh, and yes. she's like, why would you, why would Google, you Google murder? murder? Yes. That's why would you Google death? <laughs> but yeah, like Reed going, you'd be surprised at what turns up when you take <laughs> death. I'm like, that's exactly like an eight year old telling you they Googled murder. <laughs> um, but then Morgan, uh, being his Typical Morgan self Mm -hmm. says, it's no wonder you can't find a date. Like Googling weird stuff. What else do you talk about on a date? (laughs) Should I just talk about criminal minds or should I talk about the things I Googled while watching criminal minds? I know. Find me somebody that doesn't Google weird stuff. Yeah, seriously. Um, So yeah, he is just, continues to just give Reed shit and he's just... I just, I, I just can't figure out what they're doing with him because he's they so... They can't figure out what they're doing so with him So unlikable yet. at this point. And I, like, I know he gets better because I do not remember hating him this much. But yeah. like this current Morgan is not for me. No. I'm not a fan at all. Um, so then we uh, go away from the Spencer bullying that's happening on the plane. And we see a woman who's on a patio and she's checking on some lemon trees. And we see somebody like 
moving around watching her out on her it patio. It made me so nervous right from the get-go. Yeah. So he's wearing like the same color shirt. Like mm-hmm. we don't see anything other than like the he's blurry like shirt, colors. but it looks yeah. like that like like blue like canvas jumpsuity kind yeah. of material. Um so the BAU arrives at the San Diego Police Department. They meet the captain who's the man from the cold open. Um they've got like all their mortar murder Boards, <laughs> murder boards, <laughs> murder boards that are just have all these horrible pictures of all these poor dead women. And this moment with Gideon, like looking at everything uh, and the voices, you hear and like the all images, the, like, yeah, like, and like the women's voices, they're like talking kids. to their kids. Yeah. Oh, it's rough. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so Spencer is talking about uh depictions of death in Renaissance art and to JJ, and she just says, It's creepy, and he's like, Yes creepy <laughs> like me yes um but uh i just would like to take a moment and discuss jj's look in the scene yes did you note no. how how just drastically 2005 it was like she has <laughs> she like the cami under her the side parted hair mm-hmm. which is very like smoothed down yeah and the bronzer and like the shimmery eyeshadow like, straight very, all the way down straight. to the end yeah. yes and like the hoop earrings mm-hmm. and it was like oh she boy has, doesn't she have like the white cami under the longer i think i think at some point she does she has, like, scene. yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it's a real time capsule. And I think. And an outfit we all wore once exactly. upon a time. Yeah. I'm like, that's exactly what I would have worn to like a job interview uh-huh. at that time. Yeah. Like thinking that I looked as professional as a person possibly could have mm-hmm. while still looking like a child. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was to dress thinking up like the a same thing about one of Elle's outfits where she's wearing like flared. Yes. dress pants and then the layered cami with the professional shirt on top and then the long layered necklaces yes and then her like leather oh my god it's all bag. just like yeah like stuff like that you, i wore that outfit yeah i bought it at kohl's <laughs> <laughs> i bought it at deb <laughs> uh, yeah so uh morgan points out that the unsub attacks women in upper middle class neighborhoods during the day in a five mile radius um all of this is stuff we already knew it's just pointing it out again because that's what that's morgan what he does. does he does nothing uh gideon explains or uh, speculates that this, uh, this must mean that he's confident because he's doing it in broad daylight yeah, and that also so. he has to have a vehicle mm-hmm. um hotch asked asks l what the sexual aspects of the crime say about the killer and she and hikes her purse up over her, her purse, shoulder yes and then she says i'm on it and it's like anybody else would already and i know she's new but it's like everybody nobody else would have to go research it and like i don't know if i should appreciate that the fact that she has to go think about it is probably more realistic yeah or just yeah. be like oh my god it's because you every, should already know this. Everything she does makes me go, oh, oh my God. And <laughs> yeah. I know it's not fair, but I don't care. Yeah, but it probably is a more realistic depiction of what a criminal psychologist in the sort of a job would actually do is yeah, have to from go. From their office in DC, but fine. Yeah. Um, Reed announces that the messages on the mirror are only death's parts of the ballad, mm-hmm. never the women's parts. Makes sense. Yes. 
So then we're uh, back at the lemon lady's house from the previous scene and she's just in the kitchen cooking and the door opens and the intruder sneaks in and attacks her from behind. Oh and it's God, scary. it's so bad. It's yeah. so scary. And well, here's the thing. They go on and on. This was my first like, wait, these people are supposed to be middle class. I mean... These houses are very nice. This is not middle class. That, they <laughs> Maybe have, San Diego middle class. I guess. That that lady has one of those um, special spigots like over your stove that are just for filling pots. Yeah. That's not a middle class thing in my version of middle class life. No. I mean, I'm, I'm poorer than middle class. But I know. I it mean, must just be like California middle class. It was a crazy... They, not Midwest middle class. Yeah, they're very rich, but that's besides the point. I was very concerned for her safety, obviously. Yes. Um, so uh, we cut away from that immediately. Um, Morgan and Gideon um, head to the crime scene of the last murder um, with a local detective. He seems pretty incredulous about profiling. Aren't we all? Yes. Uh, the detective says, well, they did a really thorough search of the house and Morgan, you know, continues to be a dick and he just kind of scoffs and goes, well, I'm sure they did. Mm. Um, but Gideon is a lot more gregarious and a decent human being. Mm -hmm. So he kind of just explains a little bit more about profiling and how it looks or how it works and how they're looking for different things. Yeah. I, I loved this part because he's like, local officers aren't trained to look for what the BAU looks for. Like, but what the BAU looks for are just like, completely intangible and unquantifiable things that have no basis yeah, in what they find. You're not really the scene. looking for things. Yeah. You're like getting a feel for things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then Hotch calls them all to tell them that there was another attack, but the intruder was interrupted. Um, and that they're going to the scene and Gideon and Morgan decide that they're staying at the house because there's already enough people at the new scene and they can get more information from the crime scene that they're already at. Yeah. And they, they make a very big point of like the, the crime scene will never be this pristine. Like it, it won't stay this way for much longer and we've got to go in and look for clues now while it's still a pristine crime scene. Yeah. And then they just ruin it. Oh Yes. I like I I have to assume that it's already been processed, but, but like, neither one but of them even puts gloves on. Yeah, it doesn't matter that it's been processed because they make a point of saying it's so pristine that they're there to look for additional clues. If they find additional clues, what they've does it matter? They've, they've contaminated, contaminated it. all of the evidence by touching literally everything. They in the have house. no <laughs> gloves, nothing. They pick up every single thing they find and rub it all over themselves. <laughs> Just it's, like lick all of the random things yes, in the house. It's absurd. Some, so if you find anything else, what good is it to us now? Yeah. But okay. So Morgan decides he's going to go in the back window, the point of entry of the intruder, mm -hmm. and he climbs in, starts talking to himself again, um, just does a lot of stating the obvious, yeah, yeah, which is what he does. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're back at the Lemon Lady's house. Hotch and L are there, and the CSI people, or like forensics people or whatever they are, they're processing the scene, and Hotch says, she's a lucky woman. Yeah, that feels lucky. I bet she feels real lucky. Yeah. I was like, God, Hodge, come on. All these points are like, coming right off of his score in this episode. Yeah. For how good this episode is, they yeah. really let him fall down. I'm like, how dense can you possibly be? And then, to her credit, mm -hmm. Elle just looks at him and goes, 
she probably doesn't really feel that way right now. And it's like, yeah, good on you, yeah, Elle. Elle does a really nice job in the scene because she yeah. also takes the moment, like, she's surrounded by men. Can we please yes, get all these freaking was, men away from this woman? That was the next thing that I have written down. There's like seven male cops hovering over her. They're not talking to her. Yeah. They're only talking to the husband right. and asking him. And he's insisting that, like, it was a six-foot-tall black man. I love it because the guy, the, the husband says it's a black man. And Hodge is like, it was a white guy, though. Like he insisted on being a white nuts up. Yeah. Um, So he, um, so Elle, yeah, does the thing where she's like, I'm going to go talk to her. She's surrounded by men. And Mm -hmm. she takes her outside and she just says like, I'm not going to ask you any questions until you're ready. Like you just sit here, take a breath. Good on you, Elle, finally. Yeah. I'm like, and it's like, like in this moment, I'm like, this is what Elle is good at. Mm -hmm. Like, this is where you should be. Like, this is the kind of job that you're good at. And Mm -hmm. like, in those other episodes, it's like, it feels like you're trying to force yourself into a role that isn't your strong suit. Right. Like, stick with what you're really, really good at. Like, her background is sex crimes, right? They should have her face-to-face with this victim. Yeah. Alone. Yes. They're not worried about that, though. So Elle trusts her, uh, or the woman just uh, trusts Elle, decides to start talking to her and she explains to her that the man was wearing a ski mask um mm-hmm. and gloves i assume so i don't know how you could tell so what i don't race know he how was. her husband was so sure because the woman even says like i i want i'm not sure yeah. about the race but her husband seems absolutely sure so i'm not quite sure right and in a moment like that it would be so hard to recall any details yeah. about that person. But the woman just keeps saying, like she says that she just stared into his eyes the whole time because she said, if he's going to kill me, he's going to look in me. Which is like, good, Yeah, good on this lady. Badass old lady. I she's liked like, her. Like, not like elderly, elderly, but no, she's, she's an like older woman. 60s, yeah. 70s. Yeah, and she's not afraid. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to go down looking directly in your eyes. But sir. yeah, she was tough. I liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut back to Morgan's internal monologue. Um, he is wandering around and he, looking at all the broken stuff. And he's like, well, why didn't the woman hear any of this? And then he's like, oh, he must have done it after she was dead. Like, Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like we, He knew he had a lot of time. Yeah. <sighs> no, she's just upstairs exercising while someone's vacuuming her home. She doesn't <laughs> and notice. Breaking all of her china yeah. and smashing her cappuccino machine. Um, I know, Morgan. So Gideon is looking at the message on the mirror, um, and he says that the unsub's destruction of all the woman's uh, expensive belongings symbolizes the casting off of jewels and riches Mm -hmm. mentioned in that particular part of the ballad. Um, So then we find out where Reed has been this whole time, and he's just back at the police department just doing some literary analysis. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He wonders why the unsub didn't start leaving messages until the fourth victim. It's a good question. Yeah. But then Gideon, he's got his intuition, which is like, this one wasn't a huge leap. Like, this is a really good thing, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And do you remember what he realizes? That he wants the attention? Is that this part? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where he talks about um, how he didn't start leaving the messages until the fourth victim because he wasn't getting enough attention. Yeah, and he the wants press, credit. The press started covering him mm-hmm. after he started leaving the messages. Yeah, so it's, get, yeah Gideon it's his signature. realizes that he must be in it for a lot of the attention here. Like the wet bandits. <laughs> let everybody know that they're all tied together. Uh, so then um, Hotch reports that the offender in the last attack was a black male, which they Again, don't know. Look, I have an anecdote for you. Yeah. So 
before Nate and I were married, I lived in a first floor apartment. And in my bedroom, I used to charge my phone on the windowsill. And I would prop the window open because it's summer and it's hot, right? Yes. I vaguely remember the story, but I can't remember. I was sleeping one night. Nate was there. We're sleeping in bed. And I hear this noise at the screen. It sounds like a bug is stuck in the screen. And I sit up and I pull back the curtain and there is a person reaching into my my window (laughs) face to face with me. There to take my phone, I'm sure, because it was charging, so you could like see it in yeah. the dark. And my bedroom was at the back of the house, like along an alley, not near the street. So I, I pull this back, and I'm face to face with a stranger. And I just like swiped my phone off the ledge, and he ran away. And then you never slept again. And then I never <laughs> slept. And then I moved after that. But the and then you n- burned the house down. Yes. <laughs> it was terrifying. So we called the police because not because, I mean, nothing had been taken from me. Well, you I just didn't, you want them to I know. I want them to know that yeah. this had happened in case other like small break-ins are happening exactly. in cars or in open windows in the neighborhood. And this police officer asked me to describe this person. And I had nothing. It's like your adrenaline is going so fast and there's so many yeah. thoughts going through your brain and you're so worried about your own safety. It's dark. I wear contacts. It's night, so I don't have them in. I'm not wearing my glasses or anything. I couldn't even tell. I could. He said, was he black or white? I was like, I don't know. I think yeah. he was wearing basketball shorts. Uh, He's yeah. like, cool. That's really, <laughs> That's really helpful. <laughs> This is why eyewitness testimonies are notoriously terrible. Yes, eyewitness testimony is garbage. So the fact that this husband keeps claiming it's a black man, like, bullshit, man, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then Morgan points out that cross-racial attacks just don't happen. Uh, So I... I looked that up and I found a statistic uh, from, I believe it was the University of Michigan, mm-hmm. a study that they did there. And it said that um, 93% of sexual assaults are intraracial, mm-hmm. but 7%, like that's a small percentage, but not small enough to say that it's statistically insignificant enough to say it just doesn't happen. Yeah. That's a gross overgeneralization, I would think. Yeah. Like that's... Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I would say any percentage of sexual assaults is a huge percentage, but hey, what do I know? I don't work for the FBI. I mean, 7%, that's a a good number of attacks. Yeah. It definitely happens. Right. Um, So L tells them that he also, this guy also wears a ski mask Mm -hmm. and nobody points out like, oh, well, how can you be so sure of the race if this person's skin is mostly covered? Yeah. Um, But then- it's time to deliver the profile. I would love, you like to share this profile I with us? I would love to because this profile is almost a full page single space. It's a lot of profile. It's a lot of profile they have and it's very detailed. Like they really get in there. And I was also very excited because this is our first group performance. Yes. I noticed first, that too. It's like it's the, the vagina monologues as you called it in the first one. Yes. <laughs> and it's like they start out where you think it's just Gideon and then you think it's just Gideon and Hotch and then you think it's just Gideon, Hotch and Spencer. Yeah. And then they just keep throwing them in there until everybody has something to say. Like, this is great. I was a big fan. Um, so yeah, hold on to your hat because this is a really long profile. So our unsub brought his weapons with him, the tape glue and wire and he didn't leave them at the scene. 
which means he has a kind of killing kit that he carries with him. Organized killers usually have a skilled job, something technology-related that he may use his hands for. The crime scenes are far enough apart that he needs a vehicle. He's well-kept, obsessively clean, and his home will be the same. He's diurnal. Loved the use of that. (laughs) Which they then go on to explain. Yeah. Like, why did you use the word if you were just going to explain it anyway? (laughs) Because they wanted to sound smart by using diurnal. The vehicle may be related to his work, possibly a company car or truck. He's watched the victims for a time, learns the rhythm of the home, and knows his time frame. So Morgan, he has plenty of time to smash objects and vacuum up after himself. Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. You're not going to catch him accidentally, which is odd because we just caught him accidentally prior to this, right? Yeah. He got walked in on. He destroys symbols of wealth in the victims' homes. He harbors envy of and hatred toward people of higher class. He feels invisible around them. Class is the theme of the poem that he left at the various scenes. At one point in the poem, the woman attempts to bribe death, but he doesn't accept it. He says, this is the one moment when riches mean nothing. When death comes, the poor and the rich are exactly alike. He's probably middle class. A lower class person would stick out more in such a highly patrolled neighborhood. He appears to belong there. He blends in. He's an exploitative rapist, which is why he glues the eyes open. The goal is more related to the victim watching than the actual act itself. The verses, the staging, the aggressive language of I am death. This is a guy that, while being in control of the crime scene, almost certainly feels inadequate in the rest of his life, which is why he needs credit for his crimes. The victims represent whatever it is that's controlling him, and he wants that control back. He is under the thumb of a powerful woman who frightens him. He is white. (gasps) He wants people to see him, knows he's going to kill them, and would never be interrupted. And then there's more profile that Hodge delivers in private. I don't know why he wouldn't include this with everybody else. Because they're diligently taking notes. Yeah. And did you notice that, like, they start giving the profile and then Elle comes in to start sharing hers? Yeah. Which irritated me because I was like, did did they not invite her? Like, (laughs) did they forget to tell her that it was profile time? Oh, no, they already started. She's, like, working so hard on her profile and he just, like, they just forgot to tell her that they were doing it. It's good she jumped in. Yeah, she rushes in. She's got all this good information. Elle, you missed your cue. (laughs) Uh, And then in private, Hotch tells the, I guess he's the chief detective? A captain. Captain. He refers to him as captain. Um, Hotch tells him, when the news announces the arrest of the wrong guy, the unsub is going to call in, and they will be ready to trace the call. So their plan is they're just going to arrest somebody else, give him all the credit, and make the unsub mad. Yeah. So they realize that because um, the uh, this attacker couldn't be the unsub because he wears a mask, and why would somebody who's absolutely planning on killing all of these women right. bother he wearing a mask? Right, he wouldn't need to hide his identity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Lemon Lady is also older and mm-hmm. Elle says that that indicates a younger attacker. Mm-hmm. Um, so they think that the attacker is probably the guy who delivers their groceries. Mm. So this is 
Also a terrible assault, but unrelated to the yes, serial assault unrelated. But yes, they decide to use it. And I liked that Hotch asks the captain for permission for Garcia to tap the line. Yeah. Like there's ever, like Garcia's ever needed permission to do any of this. She doesn't even allow the law to hold her back in later episodes. But, um, but yeah, they decide to go through with this plan. They arrest the grocery delivery and they kid. really put on a show here. And yeah. Okay. So they just like perp walk this black kid in front of all of the press publicly Uh blaming him for six murders that they absolutely know he is not connected to at all this young guy has a lawsuit on his hands here yeah Yeah. the ethic Uh like the ethics of this it's just insane like how could you think that it was okay to do this and this kid is like 20 he's young he is a child yeah yeah there, he is going to sue them As and they should. deserve it mm-hmm. because it's bizarre. Like, do you think that the press is going to go back and be like, Oh, actually, yeah. like they're not going to apologize no, to that guy. They're they just going to report that he did all of this yeah, terrible it's stuff going to ruin his life. And then they're going to drop it. And then they're just like, that's going to stick with him forever. This yeah. is yeah. a bad If that plan. was their plan, <laughs> then even if, if they want to like perp walk someone by for effect, they should have like an actor, like yes. a stand in. Not this kid. Not this kid. Who, yes, did something wrong, right. but not to the extent that they are publicly blaming him, yeah. knowing full well he didn't yeah, do bad. any of this it's stuff. It's really, really. Oh my God, bad. that scene made me so mad. Um, so, uh, Garcia, they're back sitting in the police station waiting for the tip line call. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garcia's all ready to solve this crime for them. Yep. Um, just got to trace the call. Yeah. Less than 15 seconds. No yes. time at all. Uh, we see um, the unsub watching JJ's press conference and he uh-huh. just very cartoonishly crushes the can he's holding in like rage. It's great. And the can is full of liquid still, which but is it's, just great. It's also like really, you can't tell what the can is, but it's really dark. So it just looks like he's like angrily crushing a can of Barks root beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It's like whatever weird brand name that all TV shows use, like this generic cola. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then a woman's voice is yelling him to like turn that TV down. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an older woman, so I assume his mom. Yeah, because who else would it be? Um, so they're all sitting around waiting for the call. Reed is asking Elle if she thinks that it's weird that he know the, knows the ballad, and it, do you think that that's why he can't get a date? And so Elle cute. says, "I mean, yeah, you're weird, but do you ever ask anyone out?" And he says, "No." She says, well, well, that's why you can't get a date. <laughs> that, would, just, that would really hold you back. It's a really cute conversation <laughs> between them. It's really funny. She's like, yeah, you know weird stuff, but I'm glad you know it. Yeah. I'm like, Elle's growing on me in this one. Mm-hmm. Like she's, I like her in this one. Um, so a detective answers the phone, puts it on speaker. It's this like really nasally sounding man. And he's screaming that like, I'll show you like you've got the wrong guy. Um, and then Garcia announces that she was not able to trace the call and she doesn't know why. So now um, they have absolutely no idea who or where this unsub is Mm -hmm. and they have made him him. very angry. And they're all just like for another murder. (laughs) They're all just like looking around at each other, really panicked, like, oh my God, what have we done? Mm -hmm. As they should be. Yeah. And my note here just says, you done messed up, eh, (laughs) Abraham. That is the only thing I could think of when they show Hotch's face because he's just like, yeah, shit. They're all mortified. <laughs> like, yeah, how could nobody have thought this plan through more? It was bad yeah. from top to bottom. And nobody, I mean, I guess 
I, I, like, you would think that that would immediately clue them into, like, this guy knows stuff about phones. No. But it doesn't? It doesn't. Uh, it takes Garcia a little while to figure out why exactly. Yeah. Like, at this point, she cannot figure out why she couldn't trace Because the I looked this up about tracing phone calls, and it really, in this day and age, is instantaneous. Yeah, but, like, they're, they're using landlines. Yeah. Because he picks up, like, the landline but phone. But even with the landline. Like, I don't know, like... Even with a landline, like all of that data, according to my cursory it's like search, digital it's all digital. Yeah. So even if you're not on your cell phone, it's very easy to trace even in 2005. So yeah, you would think like that's a huge flag. Like he knows something about phones or technology or something very specific. Yeah. Like that, that you would need a very specific skill set in yeah. order to do that. Um, so then we... Uh, cut to the next day, the unsub is watching the woman and she's grabbing her newspaper and he's sitting in the car and you just see mm-hmm. his gloved hands like on the steering wheel. Um, and they're having, you know, a stakeout. They're all sitting in their various vehicles. Yeah. And it's, there's so many suspicious workmen in this neighborhood. Suddenly it's just filled like USPS, UPS, the water cooler guy, the lawn care guy. It's like, I saw the UPS truck and I was like, cause I didn't remember. Um, I was like, I know it was somebody with like a work truck and I saw the UPS truck and I was like, well, that's obviously not it because UPS would not agree to let them use yeah. a UPS driver yeah. as a murderer. Like that's an actual company. Yeah, like, they, they have can't a do fake that. company. Yeah, but there's so many work trucks suddenly just yeah. filling this neighborhood. So you're neighborhood. just seeing all of these like nondescript delivery men yeah. basically wandering around this neighborhood. And the stakes are so high and everybody is so conspicuous. Oh, extremely. Yes. So so conspicuous that another patrol officer stops and (laughs) is like, can I help you? Yes, he does. (laughs) As he Uh, should, because they're being so suspicious. Yeah. But Gideon and Ella are in the car together, and Gideon keeps saying that there's something not right about the eyes. They're missing something. Like, Mm -hmm. he keeps mentioning this throughout the episode. We're missing something. Can't figure out what it is. Um, Reed and Morgan are in another car. Uh, It's really not clear why they've chosen the spots that they're in yeah. like, because they have no idea. So they're yeah, just, they seem totally random. random. And Morgan says that they're looking for a needle in a haystack. And Reed says that actually a needle would stand out in a haystack. And they're, it's more like they're looking for a particular needle and a pile of needles. It's true. And then he just picks up his binoculars, yeah, which makes him in look, a bright red sports car looking through binoculars. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but the look that Morgan gives him when he looks through the binoculars is just like, he's never wanted to slap somebody <laughs> so hard in his entire life. And I loved it. Um, so, yeah, Gideon, my next note says, Gideon and Elle are bad at stakeouts <laughs> because the cop stops, like drives by and is like, who are you? What are you doing? Why here? are you here? What's happening? Um, they wonder how the unsub can watch these houses without being noticed when they obviously can't watch these houses without being noticed um, and that they've upped the patrol. So there's just, it's crawling with cops at this point. Yeah. Um, so Elle sees a bird up on the telephone wire because they're just staring. Um, and she asks if it's an Oriole. Gideon, of course, he knows his birds. Yep. And he says it's a grosbeak. And, and then she's a, like, grosbeak? And grosbeak, what? And then a female grosbeak joins the male. Mm-hmm. And then did you notice Mandy Patinkin's face <laughs> in this particular scene? I don't know that I did. Oh, my God. Like, all I could think was... Everybody in this world deserves somebody who looks at them 
the way that Mandy Patinkin is looking at these birds on a wire right now because it is just the happiest smile, like just a genuine happy smile that he's seeing these birds and it is adorable. Uh, so he quotes Orson Welles as saying, that's why all the birds who belong to our sex have prettier feathers because the males have got to try and justify their existence mm. because the males, the male is much brightly, uh, much more brightly colored. Um, so then this gives him an idea. <gasps> I love the idea it gives him too. Yes. So he runs into the fourth victim's house cause they're sitting like right outside of it. Mm. Um, And he reminds us that nothing that this guy does is accidental. Like Mm -hmm. everything was meticulous. Everything was placed perfectly. Um, And then he just like flops down on the bed. He lays down like he's the victim. Yes. In exactly the position she was in so that he can look at what her eyes were staring at. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, if it was about looking at him, why is he attacking from behind? Right. Like he doesn't want... Them, he doesn't care about looking at him. He wants their body, or he wants them looking at where he was yeah. when he was watching them, and they didn't notice, mm-hmm. which is just, Ugh. oh my god. <laughs> That's why I keep again everything locked and all the windows closed. Yeah. Um. So he tell L calls Garcia, tells her to look for telephone line repairmen because the body was just facing, looking directly at the telephone pole. Yeah, right and outside they have the house. such great. Uh, Gideon and Hotch have a great back and forth of like all of the reasons why it's a telephone repair man. Yes. Gideon calls him and he's like, no one would notice him. He can tap into the phone lines. He can reroute the calls. He can watch he has the a husbands truck. leave. Yeah. He has the tape and wire and Hotch goes, that sounds right, Jason. <laughs> and then Gideon just yells, I know it's right. <laughs> that was a really good one. Yes. That sounds right, Jason. Uh, <laughs> So then uh, we're back at the newspaper lady's house, who I almost forgot about. Yeah. Um, and she's feeding her toddler breakfast. Oh, uh, and you're just so waiting. When Morgan and Reed were on their stakeout, Morgan says that it's already 1030. And she's just feeding her baby. And she's still in her robe from the morning. But I assume that this was probably just so you could recognize it as being the same woman. Yeah, Because you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. But I was like, geez, like been in your pajamas all this day of clinical like, depression is, know, like this is pre-pandemic it is not okay to wear your pajamas all day <laughs> like baby it is had now to have been hungry before oh, yeah. 10 30 a.m but yeah they're both still in their jammies um so she goes to the refrigerator oh. and she gets uh. him some juice and she's like oh it's I, yeah she's like talking to her son and she calls him pookie mm-hmm. um which i just would like to give a quick shout out to your own pookie? The several pookies <laughs> that I know. Oh, boy. The several poor men who and boys who have been saddled by their mothers <laughs> with Gross. the nickname pookie. That's disappointing. <laughs> I know, including my own son. So um, <laughs> there you go. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I usually call him buddy now. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Well, I mean, the nickname for him came from uh, his sister mispronouncing his name. As oh. Pook. <laughs> so then we just called oh, him right. Pookie. I guess I can let it go because I like his sister and him <laughs> and you, but you know. 
Uh, no, this whole time when like the baby leaves her line of sight because she's the fridge mm-hmm. open and mm-hmm. you're just like holding your breath. Okay, but like when she had the fridge open and then she shut the fridge, did you think that he was going to be standing right there? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. did too. And he wasn't. And uh-huh. I was like, no, Whoa. he wasn't standing there. He was doing something worse no, than standing there. No, he was. There. What was he doing? He was feeding the baby. Oh my God, it was so ah. gross. <laughs> oh my God. He just shivers up and down has your spine. his hand on the baby's head and he's feeding or cereal. Baby. Oh no, my God. It would have been less intense for him to have just been standing near her. But no, no, the fact that he was feeding the baby was so, so horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so she uh, is pleading like we just hear her pleading um in this next scene and he's very slowly just removing the wire and tape and glue from his bag Mm -hmm. and she's saying like i have a baby and he's just like cooperate and you'll be fine you're like no she won't no she won't and she knows that yeah Uh, but then we're back to our crack team and their efficient methods of investigation where they physically go from house to house, and they're no. There's first, like a, a shot of them looking up at the phone lines, like they're gonna follow the phone lines to where they need to which, go. Which one but of they, these houses has phone lines attached like to it? Every single one. No, but before that, um, they physically. What is it? Is it? Yeah, Reed and Morgan physically go to the telephone company office yes. to ask for the records. Yeah. I'm like, I guess maybe but like, like you left the neighborhood and went over to the company and now you have to come back. To the, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's in the neighborhood. Just call them up. Yeah. So, but the rest of the team splits up and they all just start like wandering around yeah. looking. And luckily this poor, poor baby is just screaming yeah. his head off because mm-hmm. that alerts Gideon to yeah. something being amiss. There's a gate open. Um, they walk in and this, you know, nice middle-class home has a tennis court in the back, um, like middle-class Just average people, <laughs> average people in their tennis courts. Uh, so, and I love this moment. Gideon sneaks in the back and he gives the baby a kiss. Yeah. Cause of course he does. Yes. Um, so he like kisses the kid on the head. Doesn't help. Kid's still screaming. As it, he would be. But it is yeah. very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was like, he sees the juice on the floor and was like, oh, why didn't he give the baby the juice mm-hmm. to shut him up? You know, and then it was like, no, he needs the kid to stop screaming because it would yeah, alert. He, he can't stop screaming because it will alert the guy that exactly. somebody else is in the house. Yeah. So yeah. Like, okay. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so he goes upstairs. He makes it almost all the way to the bedroom before mm-hmm. he steps on a squeaky floorboard. So when he walks in, the guy... Um, who is a white man. Oh, who would have thought? Has a gun on the lady's head and Gideon, um, he does his thing. He does his goading thing. He does. He taunts. The Gideon goading is what I'm going <laughs> to yeah. start calling it because it's every time. He has so many bad things to say about these guys. Yeah. So he just taunts him and says, you know, if like, if I let you go, everyone will forget about you. Nobody will even remember who you were. Every once in a while on a TV special, they'll be like, oh, what happened to that Tommy killer? Oh, well, who cares? Nobody. <laughs> no one will remember you. No one will know. But then he says, if you turn yourself in, I'll take you out here and like, I'll make you as famous as all of those other serial killers. And yeah. he lists off like, you know, all the big ones. Um, and the unsub really likes this idea. Yeah, he gets so really he just, excited. Yeah, he gives in immediately. Yeah. Um, so Hotch takes, uh, you know, Hotch shows up just in time to drag him out and mm-hmm. Gideon and Al go to, you know, take care of this woman. And it was like, at least it's these two people taking care of this woman. Because, yeah, that's who I'd want coming to my aid. Yeah, not Hotch. No, well, <laughs> uh, I mean, after the first incident of Elle not going to the aid of the victim, now she's going straight to the victim. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so then we get our next end cap quote, which is Rose Kennedy once said, birds sing after a storm. Why shouldn't people feel as free to delight in whatever sunlight remains to them? Huh. Like, huh, 
birds. Oh, the birds again. Gideon loves birds. <laughs> so then they're in the plane and Gideon gives Reed a birthday present. It is a pair of VIP box redskin tickets. Which Spence is real confused about. Yeah, he just kind of looks at him like he's wondering like how many books he could buy if he sells Mm. these tickets and that he doesn't even know that he goes he calls them the red skins yes <laughs> and then says that he doesn't even know what sport they are is this the one they play on the basketball grass yes on the basketball grass um so reed says oh well we're gonna have fun at this game and gideon says oh no you're you're not, i'm not going you're gonna take somebody else who's a huge redskin fan and <gasps> reed is like oh well who is that and he says the only person in the world who calls you Spence. (laughs) I love this matchmaking moment. (laughs) Yeah. So Reed uh, then beats Gideon at chess finally. Mm -hmm. And then he goes over to talk to JJ. Um, And then they close out to Jackson Brown's Doctor My Eyes, which is a bit on the nose. I feel a little morbid considering the crime that was just committed. Uh, But but I I did very much. Yeah, I did really enjoy the opening and closing songs of this episode, though. Good soundtrack on this one. And and that's episode four. Huge fan. I mean, this has to be the moment. Where you like muscle through the first three episodes and you're like, okay, they're finding their feet. They're getting there. You watch this one and it's like, yes. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here for it. Got it. it. Even Mm -hmm. the parts that were like kind of ridiculous weren't so ridiculous that they just took you out of it completely and just made you like, what what am I watching? Yeah. You're willing in the moment of your initial watch to go along with what they do. Yeah. And I think it's only because I've watched it so many times now that I'm like, well, they didn't put gloves on. Well, they didn't do this. Well, whatever. Whatever. None of that is stuff that you notice the first time through if you're not watching it. So this is the kind of crime that keeps white ladies in their 30s awake at night so (laughs) yeah it's yeah it was a scary one Mm -hmm. yeah it was very scary and that yeah that's this is what I'm here for and like this was an episode where like where profiling and psychology actually play a big role in what they do like they they were helpful they needed to be there yeah that's what Uh, so I was gonna ask on our three our three um yeah, for like accuracy. Yes, thank you. Uh, like our three things. Yeah. Accuracy, there. plausibility, and helpfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, their profile was really accurate. Yeah. Um, and then most of it was stuff that made sense. The mm-hmm. reasons that they came up with those particular things were based on um, aspects of this actual case. Yeah. So it wasn't just nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, the psychology came in really handy when they realized that this is someone who um, – they would need to like goad and yeah. kind of um, draw yeah. him out. Yeah, and he that wants that would work. credit. Yeah. He wants the attention. He wants the credit. And it also helped them narrow down his job and like eliminate potential suspects and narrow down who they're looking at. Yeah. So it's it like was extremely this, helpful. Yeah, this was a good one. Like yeah. I feel like this was like, this was like a seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely in the top half yeah. of the scale. Yeah. Like it wasn't I might perfect. be generous enough still, to give them an eight. Yeah. Seven or an eight for sure because... Mm-hmm. Everything that they did was helpful and yeah. meaningful in some way. Yeah, it was very good profiling. This is what makes you go, oh, maybe this is a legitimate thing that they do. Yeah, like maybe they maybe they have a purpose. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Which they in some of these episodes good they at their jobs. have not. Yeah. And well, so our two other things, the statistically white man, not white man, we're 80-20 white men here. Yes. It's a lot of white men committing crimes right now. Yeah. 
Un- unsurprisingly, that's right. Our whole hypothesis is that these are mostly white men that they end up profiling. Um, and the Hodge watch, what a disappointment he was in this episode. Oh, he was not great. Like anytime he actually did anything, you were just like, Hodge, come on. Yeah. They like gave up on him. He had no personality in this no. episode. I also liked the part when they were in the stakeout and it was like Gideon and Elle and they were having a nice interaction. And then it was Spencer and Reed and they were having a funny interaction. And mm-hmm. then it just cut for like, Four seconds to Hotch sitting alone in his car. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to sit with him because he's got nothing to talk about. Yeah, nobody wants to hang out with Hotch. Yeah. But yeah, this was a a dip. I'm going to have to, I don't want to like, I don't want it to be a sliding scale. I want it to be a slow descent to zero. Yeah. So I'm going to bump him down to nine. I was going to say he definitely lost some points in this one. Yeah. I don't want to get too dramatic right at the beginning because we're season one, episode four. (laughs) So I'm going to go from a 10 to a nine, but it does feel like a full point lost. Yeah, he like, was there's no fraction. He or was something. absolutely nothing in this. All he did yeah. was ruin a birthday party. Yeah. And then just uh ruin the uh plan that they yeah. came up with yeah. and screw it up and mm-hmm. provoke an unsub with no no way to follow catch through. Him. Yeah. And then um at the very end he just showed up, grabbed the unsub and dragged him out. And like took the credit. Like I'll I'll do yeah. I'll He's take like the I'll take him here. out. <laughs> We're like, yeah. yeah, that's all you're good for. Just get him out of here. Fine. And it's, I'm hoping he bounces back a little so we can stay at a nine for a while, or this is going to be a really quick descent to zero. No. But I can't remember. Though what I do remember is this next episode. The next this, episode is Broken Mirror. I, I think I remember this one, but I feel like I also might be combining several... Yeah, different it episodes. Is, it's similar to some storylines we see in later seasons for sure. Yeah. Um, but Broken Mirror is another, from what I remember, a pretty exciting one. Okay. So I'll be excited to talk about that. Yeah, one. I read the description that it gave on Netflix and it's like, I I might remember this one or I might be remembering one far later in the yeah. series that yeah. had a similar plot or you know some similar plot points but i just i'm excited about it because i this hope one, it's as good as this one i'm i loved it so much yeah this one was an absolute winner mm-hmm. so this is why you spend 15 years and hundreds of hours <laughs> watching, watching this, show. this show because of episodes like this one yeah well you can listen to this podcast on spotify and apple podcasts and pretty much wherever it is that you get your podcast leave us a five-star review you can also find us on Instagram at the unsub is a white man. Our theme music was composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and we are produced by Nate Youngblood, who thankfully was not here while we were pronouncing French words earlier. Yes. He's mm-hmm. nodding. He's also glad he didn't have to exactly. hear me try to pronounce French words. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, join us next time in the Office of Unfettered Omniscience when we deliver another profile. <laughs>